0: When you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. Hey, it's Netta. I just wanted to let you know that my podcast is now available on my very own website. So after this episode, go on over to aftersugarclub.com forward slash podcast. That's aftersugarclub.com. Forward slash podcast. All right, so ready for this episode? This week I'm talking to Tracy Bradley Dejardin. Uh, great to meet you. Um can you tell me a bit about yourself and your life before you stopped eating sugar?
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, I'll, I'll try to streamline it. I've told the story so many times. Uh, this year I just turned fifty, and I knew that. Oh yeah, well, happy fiftieth um, to both of us. Isn't that ironic? during pandemic, I know. Um, so I, I knew that like about a year ago I said, okay, I wanted to make some serious changes and to maybe stop being in denial of a few things in my life to, there was something about turning 50 that was monumental. Like, okay, it's now or never with certain things, the time is up and now it's time to make some great changes. And one of those things was, I was just kind of overeating and, and um, I felt bloated and I thought that I had a somewhat of a grip on sugar. Um, So I thought, but anyway, I'll, I'll I'll get to that. But my sugar problem started when I was very young, almost toddler. It was kind of a joke in my family that when I cried, they gave me a cookie and then I was happy. So that's really um, there's, I look at that with such curiosity now, because I think that that really on so many levels started to develop a root in my emotional brain. And with just, you know, sugar made me feel loved and warmed. And it took away all of the negative feelings and all the cares in the world. So I became an an overweight child. I mean, nothing over the top, but I was always that kid that wore the, the pretty plus size in the girls department stores and things like that. And I always had, um, I didn't like my body and I I had a very thin mom and she didn't really understand my challenges. And so I would eat to escape a lot of internal struggles that I had. And I wasn't, I didn't excel in sports in high school and that I went to a really big school and that came with its sort this, its source of stresses. And I was I started to binge eat heavily as I started dieting in high school to try to lose the extra 20 or 30 pounds that I dragged around with me from the binge eating in private. I was very ashamed of this. I didn't know anybody else that did this. And uh, it was like my own little dark secret that really did a number on my self-esteem. So every time I tried to control it with a diet, the monster grew and my binging got worse. And I didn't even... I didn't know why I really chalked it up to me having no willpower, no self-discipline. And I was convinced that I was lazy and there was something wrong with me that I couldn't stop eating sugar. And out of the grace of God, I discovered aerobic exercise, like fun aerobics classes. And I started doing that when I was in my mid teens. And I that that was then my lifelong sport. So I just felt so amazing when I exercised, and I just jumped around to music with a bunch of other crazy people. So I took that and ran with it, and I became an instructor and a trainer, and that turned into a 30-year career for me, and it was also quite the escape from the world. It was my place to go to just let out steam. I'm so grateful that God blessed me with that. And I thought that because I exercised for fun, um, I could eat whatever I wanted. So I would, you know, um, put on weight, my, my weight would ebb and flow 10 pounds, 20 pounds based on my level of binging on sugar that I was doing. That was all related to what was going on in my life. If I was overloaded with work or personal stuff, I always turned to sugar, but anytime I tried to diet and go on a program, it was like, I a, awakened a beast inside of me where I knew it was going to end bad, but I didn't know what else to do. I was really trying to control and control and it, it, it really never worked. Um, when I turned 40, I started to feel sick when I binged. So I had a little bit of a nudging, like, look, you're getting older and you just can't get away with eating as much sugar as you've been your whole life. So I saw that as a, okay, I'm going to cut back. So I started to cut back, but I was still overeating desserts. Every, I would make it really well Sunday through Friday night. And Friday night, it always ended in after work, I would go and get donuts. though. So donuts was my thing. Okay. And what eat-
0: were you telling yourself in your head when it, Friday night came along? That is such a great question.
1: Um, at the time, I didn't hear any voice, but I got a feeling for I needed to escape. I needed to be on vacation for a few days vacation from myself. I know now I needed a vacation from what I was thinking and what I was telling myself and, and all of that. And I really felt powerless. So those weekends were, I would have to say they were still binges in my forties, but they weren't as blown away as they were in the earlier part of my life. Cause hormonally my body was revolting.
0: Okay.
1: And, um, or, you know, as I progressed through my forties, that started to intensify, but I was, and so, but I was still having heavy duty desserts Friday through like Sunday afternoon. I was still doing that. Mm -hmm. And here's what happened as I was getting older, I started to feel like I had binged. So that was the calling that sugar. It's not even that it's getting easier. It's getting worse. And my body is not happy.
0: Are you saying that when you used to binge in your 20s and 30s, you didn't feel the effects of the binging, but that began in your 40s? I
1: definitely felt the effects back then, but I could recover faster. It would take me just a couple of days, whereas in my 40s, it started to take me a week. Yes. Yes. And I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to convince myself that I could somehow moderate and be intuitive with when I had my desserts, and there came the shame and the demoralization again because I really felt like I was singled out as one of those people that I wasn't able to do that. It was it was really all or nothing, and you know the diet all the dieting that I did really promoted that black and white thinking, but um, I had no concept of being intuitive.
0: Did you feel like you were broken in some way or, or a failure? Oh, goodness. Yes. That's probably I would have to say
1: a bigger consequence to me personally than what it did to me physically, because I feel like and I'm still working through this. I feel like here I am 50. I could have been doing passionate, exciting, more courageous work. 10 years ago had I not been fighting my ugly private war with myself with sugar so it did a humongous number on self-esteem confidence my um my self-respect it really really took me took me down it did
0: and did you know anyone else who was like living the same experience as you
1: I would say absolutely not. I did not because, you know, I believe that I had a binge eating problem, but my binge eating was sugar binge eating. Okay. I'm talking like nasty little Debbie snack cakes that I grew up on M&M's candy, cheap, like quick hit sugar frosting. I had friends that were the classic bulimic or anorexia. but bulimic or anorexic. And they went away. I had a handful of friends, got help, came back. And that was pointed out. It was defined. That wasn't me. Mm -hmm. And God gave me the gift of not being able to vomit or else I would, I can tell you now, hands down, I would have been bulimic at the age of like 15. That's
0: a blessing in disguise.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. So I would overexercise. I, I believe I had a form of exercise bulimia where I tried to make up for my failure the day, the next day, I would try to make up for all that food that I ate with exercise. So you can guess how that started to take me down in my forties. Oh, definitely. And yeah. what
0: was the tipping point at which you said something's going to get?
1: I'm so glad you asked because that is exactly where I would, I was going to take our conversation next. So being that I turned 50 in May, May 7th, I turned 50 at the beginning of this year, I did like I did every other year, I put together my January plan to get my act together with my relationship with food. It was always about the food. And once it, and that's all I knew. And I kept trying the same thing over and over. And I thought, well, I'm not going to diet anymore. I'm going to do things my way and just restrict my way. I thought I was making progress. And, um, of course, just like every year of the year, I did fairly well in January, my clothes that were restricting in December because of binging on sugar were now fitting. So I felt like I was getting somewhere, but I started to fall back into the weekend desserts and doing all of that. And I thought, oh gosh, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. I'm just so busy at work. I'll, I'll get to it. Maybe I'll reinvent what 50 really looks like to me. Well, all of that, trying to excuse, maybe I can keep in my healthy baking and, you know, cause it brings me joy. Mm-hmm then pandemic hit in March. Okay. And this is what happened to me. And again, it's another blessing. So pandemic hit and my business was about a year and ha- a half, year and a half in the making. And it just started rolling and I'm a one person shop. And so when pandemic hit, I became completely overwhelmed with how I was going to pay my bills, what I was going to do and how I was going to control my life. Okay. And I slid down that rabbit hole with sugar. Like I was 15 again. And I I'm not exaggerating when I said every day started out. Well, I would get in my workout. I would eat my healthy foods up until about 3 PM. And I would have ice cream. I would eat one or two pints of Ben and Jerry's ice cream every night for that was dinner. And every day I made a new intention. Like I'm not going to do it. And every day it happened again. This went on for two weeks and I finally had said, I, okay. I told myself, Tracy, you officially cannot be in denial of this anymore. It's more evident than ever that sugar is taking you down. And a little voice inside of me said, Tracy, you have two choices. You can get worse and you can go through menopause, getting, being depressed and just slugging through your life, trying to hide this, like you've been doing forever. Or you can really face this head on and get some help. And at the time, early this year, I'd say January, February, I was listening to a a podcast called the Her H-E-R podcast by Dr. Pamela Peek, who I love. And I I bought several of her books years ago about um, emotional eating and she educated me so much, but I was still in denial of the sugar while I'm driving one day to work. And I heard her talk. She had this speaker on named uh, Molly Carmel, and she's a therapist, a, um, an eating disorder or like a sugar management therapist out of New York city. She wrote a book called breaking up with sugar. Yeah. Molly is on there talking about her journey and her life with sugar. And I almost wrecked my car because I finally, it was like a shout from the rooftops. I'm not alone. Right. It was huge. So <laughs> This is so bad, but I did, I'm on Amazon and driving and I'm ordering her book on on Amazon and I had to have it then. Of course it came in two days and I read that thing and I cried my way through it. You should see this book. It has so much red ink and highlighter pen because I was, I was having so many ahas. I reached out to her on her website. I joined her Facebook group and I got started doing her very gentle, very gentle, kind, loving, compassionate strategies that were all new to me. This wasn't about science. It wasn't about going crazy weighing and measuring and all that. It wasn't about somebody else's rules. It was about her slowly and gently helping me to understand why I have been using sugar to escape and numb and medicate me and my thoughts and feelings my entire life. So I'll forever be grateful to her. May 9th. This is funny. So May 7th, I had my last pig out cake okay. pizza we were under pandemic my kids had a party for me at home it was great may 8th i gave myself the grace of getting even more mentally prepared because i had been preparing for this since march i knew i was going to do it i knew it was going to be big and i was saying goodbye to some heavy comforts oh, yeah. day. I, I know i and also didn't trust myself i was scared to death of failing again yes. so uh may 9th was my day one of walking away from sugar and um I don't even know what gave me the courage to do this. Because again, like I said, this was such a private hell that I was dealing with. I was so ashamed. I'm in the fitness industry. How dare I not be perfect Mm -hmm. with my health and wellness. And because of these rituals that I've had with posting every morning and writing in my journal, I've been able to, to stay the course. The first week was really tough, but it's not tough anymore. And I'm on day two of six, 206 of, I haven't had no sugar or no flour
0: in 206 days. Yes, today is 106. That is amazing. Yeah, and I think what's even more amazing is your your courage to to post, you know, it's just a Facebook post, but that other people, you remember how you felt when you were all alone or you thought you were all alone? That's how pretty much everyone feels. And when they see you post, they get that aha that you had. Oh, I'm not alone anymore. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because it doesn't feel good to... Feel like you're alone in this battle mm. and you know what's interesting before i found mike i i mean i heard of sugar addiction but i thought it was some sort of cult like who the heck cannot eat sugar sugar should be able to be consumed by everybody because let's face it it is so socially on our in our faces every single day i mean holidays and um i was always envious of the people that could have a few bites of something and be fine with it and i know that that is um I don't know if that's me or not. I don't think that it is.
0: Yeah. Some of us just can't moderate. It's a brain chemistry thing. Absolutely. And being, re- you know, told repeatedly that we should moderate doesn't help.
1: <laughs> it, it doesn't help. And, and we don't want to be uh, enslaved and hijacked from the the food marketing in, in the world. And uh, there's so much of that. So we need to band together. To, um, to take a look at something and say, you know what, that's not my food.
0: Absolutely. That, my food. What would you say, Like, how would you describe your life after sugar now, now that you don't eat sugar anymore and haven't for the last 200 days? Yeah, yeah. I will tell
1: you, I'm making some huge goals. I'm a different person. I can't even, I am so different than I was on May 9th, May 8th. In terms of courage, and I think the biggest thing for me is self-acceptance and self-compassion. And I actually like who I am now, which I never did before with this big, ugly secret that I, I was hiding. One of, I would have to say the number one thing that kept me going, that will keep me going is this, and I take no credit for it. I'm going to tell you where I got it. I have a mantra in my mind, again, gift from God. And it, it, the mantra is I-N-O, the letters, I, capital I, capital N, capital O and it stands for, it's not an option. So when I have a client, a dear client that brings me candy-coated pecans that she made in her oven, or I have another client that brings me chocolate or my husband brings home something or whatever that is, I, I draw on my INO. It's like a brick wall in my mind. It's not an option. There's, there are no well maybes. I'm, I'm either doing this or I'm not doing it. And um, that is my main tool It's a tool to use to stay on track while your my, you know, my brain started to get right. It started to flush.
0: And and do you feel like you're missing out or that you're denying yourself something?
1: At first I did. Yes. At first I was angry. In fact, I, (laughs) I had a tantrum one day, like the first month in Uh, my daughter said something to me and my husband said something totally unrelated to, it was something minor and I had a major meltdown. And they were looking at me like I was nuts and I was overreacting, but that was my moment to let it all out. It wasn't just about the little scenarios that happened. I was grieving cause I, I had been fighting. I am on a path and I am doing so great, but I never grieved. I hadn't grieved yet. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was abandoning someone who lied to me that told me they loved me and that, well, just come over here with me. You know, you always feel better when we're together temporarily I had to let that go and I didn't know how to replace it or what to replace it with
0: because we can do it on our own it's just going to be longer and more difficult
1: I was always after the diet book the nutrition book the the quit sugar now book but guess what I'm reading now I'm reading books on my current book is by Marie Forleo who is just exploding my mind Um, everything is figure outable. yes yes Oh my gosh. She doesn't talk about food. This is about me. And then there are other books about mindfulness. I read one that was recommended about being an empath. Like what is that? Guess what? That's me. I take on other people's energy. And what does that do? It makes me feel a caged where, you know, I was going to sugar. So I guess, again, what I mean is when, when we get a group going and people are suggesting stuff and I'm suggesting stuff, that's when we just kind of band together
0: no because we think it's just us we we don't know anyone else who's got the same experience as us and then we find out there's a whole bunch of people like hundreds of thousands that are living the exact same thing as we are we just never shared it and right today. all in our little corners all yeah. in our
1: little corners yes yeah.
0: and you're right like the community aspect which is what I I'm creating as well in life after sugar you know it's it's That's what gets us
1: through it. And I love the life after sugar concept that you have going because I actually haven't heard of that before. And nobody really talks about that. And that's huge because most of these programs, well, I used to be the queen of detoxes and cleanses. Okay. And they all work temporarily, but nobody told you what to do after. So here you are life after sugar. We can all put in the hard work to do the steps and to get there. But what, I, what you're doing is you're serving a need that I had when I found that book on the shelf at Barnes and Noble, Secrets of a Former Fat Girl. Because I wanted to know, okay, we all know how to lose the weight. What do you do after to keep it off?
0: So all of these 21-day detoxes and 30-day challenges, they definitely have their, their reason and, and you know they're great. But then what happens, the real challenge starts after the first 30 days.
1: I agree with you so much. And I'm going to admit something to you. Um, I've been in the fitness industry for 30 years. And by the way, I'm also a certified health coach. And I've been so since 2013, which was probably the biggest binge year of my life. So talk about shame and feeling fraud. But the reason I'm telling you this is in my previous line of work at a big box gym, I was the clean eating chick.
0: So you were the clean eating chick.
1: Yes. Yes. I was the clean eating so I was putting together programs, programs for people. And I was also, I was also the one that was promoting the 30 day whole 30 challenge or the green drink detox. And I watched, we all, I watched people get such great success, including myself, but I didn't know what to tell them after. And they didn't have great results after that. And I really kind of felt responsible for that. And that really did a number again on my self-esteem so what to do after is ne- next level info that we need and navigate family and social and to stand your ground. Yeah. And
0: to, um, that's really hard for people. Really hard, yeah. It's really hard. And not just for, for the person receiving those comments, but also for like the person making them because it, it kind of holds up a mirror to other people. You know, here's this person taking away what you would believe is all the fun and enjoyment out of food and life and feeling better for it like it's it's completely <laughs> upside down and so people don't understand how can you be happy without the things that make you happy.
1: I would like to say something about that because I was the classic person that my only source of joy looking back, it's so sad. And I look on this little girl, I look at myself now as a little girl where that was my little place to run and hide for joy and love and acceptance. And as a 50 year old adult, I discovered through the coach that I hired, what are my values? Nobody ever, well, I'm not gonna say nobody ever. It was never an opportunity that I saw to do a, a, a deep dive what is most important to me, just me, not what somebody says should be important to me, but just me. I wasn't sure what that was until I spent some time on that. And one of the things I discovered was that my health and wellness is my identity on so many levels. If I don't have that, I can't do the work that God wants me to do in this world, unless I feel like I am truly healthy. Now that may or may not be the same for other people. I believe that deep down inside, we all want that, but we've all walked different paths of life. They know their health and wellness is like their highest value, but they're not sure how to break some habits that aren't serving that highest, best value self. Instead, they're self-sabotaging. That's exactly what I was doing.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. And it's like women, and especially mothers like us, like, where are you on your list of priorities when you're you become a mother, you slip right down to the bottom. And the challenge is also pushing yourself back up to the top of your list of priorities without feeling like you're being some kind of selfish, terrible person. Yes. Like that, you belong needs, there.
1: that needs to be made clear to all the, um, I'm going to say the young, younger women out there and even like women our age too, it, it's like you're not being selfish by implementing boundaries and strategies for your self care. I can tell you now that um, I, uh, I remember binging so badly when my children were were young and um, I can remember not being present emotionally with them. I was physical, but I can remember being clouded by my battle with sugar and it was really sad i'm not even sure how i got through that i think i just was younger and just did what i had to do but um nobody should be told that they are selfish by taking an hour out of their day to get some exercise or to cook a healthy dinner or whatever and we are told that it's almost like a rite of passage as a mom like you've got to give up on yourself or you're not going to be a good mom and there's nothing there's nothing more destructive than that. Like moms out there are sabotaging themselves because they feel like in some ways they have to, because if, if they don't, if they try to carve out some time for them for self-care, it's taken away from their role as a mother or it's, it's downplaying the quality of their motherhood.
0: It's attractive. It's very attractive and it attracts positive. You know, what the positive that you, you exude will attract the positive back but if if you don't believe that you deserve positive, then you're you're gonna smother it in chocolate, yeah, stepping into our queen, absolutely, and I call it just growing up as well, you know,' Cause we do tend I was one of I was like the we tend to have like act like a toddler,
1: <laughs> <laughs> mix some screams until she gets her way with what with sugar,
0: yeah, yeah, or yeah, and taking that away forces us to just grow up yeah it isn't easy which is not not easy
1: no and I I really believe that if I mean I had it so bad I was just so harnessed and so depressed with with what sugar what with how sugar really was affecting me that I look back now and I see where I was and it makes me sad you know I try not to look back but um it makes me so sad that I don't worry about sliding backwards again because it just feels so much better to be where I'm at now. It's like there's a rainbow on the other side, but you have to get through that first phase and believe enough in yourself that it's going to get easier and you won't crave sugar anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is so inspiring to hear you say that. It's true. It's almost impossible to imagine before you've actually lived it, but it's true all the same. Yes,
1: yes. And for all the people out there that are contemplating right now. That was me. I was contemplating back in February, March, and, um, it doesn't have to be some major undertaking. Um, it it, it just involves getting, getting the right resources, joining the right group, putting yourself out there and just starting with one day, one day turns into two on day. When you get through two days, something happens. Then all of a sudden you're through a week and you start to believe in yourself more, and you start to like how you feel. And by the way, let me just say that I didn't go at this with weight loss in my Mm -hmm. mind. My clothes were tight. It is what it is. You know, I'm not trying to look hot in a pair of jeans anymore. I would rather just be able to fit comfortably in all of my clothes and to feel good. If I don't have energy because I'm hungover from sugar, that's the ugliest place for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say that at my skinniest, I was at my unhealthiest. So being skinny or slim or thin is like no guarantee of good health.
1: Oh, you are so true. Because what works for one person it might not work for somebody else. And I was the poster child for that. So all the people out there that are thinking, well, I'm gonna try this next and try that next. Try just tapping into yourself and your intuition with who you are. We all know how to eat healthy. It, it is, does not have to be complicated it's not, there's no dieting. We hear the word diet and I, we start craving everything we can't have. So, um, I'm really, I really want to be a part of the turnaround because I want to be an ambassador for helping ladies believe that they can trust themselves with food and that they can love their body. Um, because I think that there's a big void there and people like us who, who figured it out and we got through the mud. I almost feel like I have a duty to do that for other women
0: and Yeah, and me too, then, which is why I created Life After Sugar, you know, to say, look, A, it's possible. And, you know, I, I want to teach people, instead of giving them a fish, to teach them to fish. So, you yes. know, away from the diet mentality, away from the fads, you know, and teaching people, women and men, to trust themselves. It, it's very inspiring to hear you talk.
1: Oh, you're so sweet. I'm sure there are a lot of people that are listening that are, and I wondered like, can I really never have sugar again? Like, can I really never have to say that was me, but I will tell you this. My answer to that is it's, it's everybody's choice that has to start with curiosity, going the journey with giving up sugar to clean up your brain and your tongue and become who you really are. You have those insights. You don't have to fear it forever.
0: Yeah, because yeah. you don't know what's on the other side. You don't know if it's gonna start off a huge snowball of binging. Yeah. Yes.
1: And I, I I was such a binger. I could I could down a whole box of donuts on my own. I've done it and then more later. So believe um you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh boy. So I by saying that I want other people to other if other people are out there I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she does that too. Look at her. She she can eat 12 donuts. Yes. I could eat 12 donuts and I have many times in my life. Um It can be done. It can be done. And um, there's no rush. Take the journey like the tortoise and the hare. Be the tortoise. Absolutely. Love of Pete, be the tortoise. Let's all slow down.
0: Well said. Well said. Thanks, Tracy. (laughs) Fantastic to talk to you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Ned. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Isn't Tracy inspiring? Amazing. And if you want to hear more stories of others who have dropped sugar in their way at their pace, for their own reasons, then follow this podcast. You can do it straight from your phone or you can go to my website aftersugarclub.com forward slash podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, scroll down and leave me a positive review. I'd really appreciate it. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.